Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Podcast, where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. A reminder that if you want to watch the entire service, our services are available on our YouTube channel linked in the podcast notes. We would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast so that new sermons come into your feed as soon as they are available, and you can do this using your favorite podcasting app. We would love it if you would help to support the missions and ministries here at Beach Grove through your tithes and your offerings. A donation link is also linked in the notes below. And lastly, find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoyed this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. The scripture lesson for this message comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 25 through 35. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves, and not for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us, then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you, that through your word for us this day, we continue to grow in ways that we are called to love and care for ourselves as we seek to care for your kingdom. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. So all of this time I have spent talking about self-care, there's one Thing that I want to point out, one problem that kind of comes in the way of practicing self-care. And that's this idea that the events of life, what happens, whether it's, it's, it's life, faith, vocation, whatever it is, the thing is, is life happens on this spectrum, right? And if we consider the worst thing that can happen to us and the best thing that can happen to us, there's all this stuff that encapsulates this middle area of our lives. This is not this is not to say that 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 one thing is ultimately bad and another thing is ultimately good but but that things kind of fall into place as we go through our lives. Right and whether it's a a a day, a week, a month, a year, whatever, we tend but we tend to define things in our lives by either good or bad. And oftentimes in our lives, I think we can say the bad often outweighs the good, right? I can have something good happen to me during a day, but if something bad happens to me, I might say, well, I've had a bad day. 
Or someone will say, it only takes one person to ruin my entire day, right? Some of us have probably been there before, right? But here's the problem. Because life exists on this spectrum, when we think about faith, sometimes we only go to God in certain points of our life, right? Either life is going bad, and so we turn to God in the bad and ask for God's help, but sometimes life gets really bad and we leave or forsake God. Now, on the flip side, when our life is going good, sometimes we'll give thanks to God. We'll give praise to God. We'll say, thank you, God. But sometimes when life is going really good or sometimes we just don't even think about it, we might forget God altogether. Not asking you to admit anything, but this is something that I've experienced. Now, remember, this is not absolute. I'm not passing judgment on anybody. It's, it's a perspective that's taken with a grain of salt as we think about how in our lives we approach God and approach our faith. And this is why oftentimes we can see how a discussion on self-care, right, that nature of caring for ourselves can actually end up feeling like it might demoralize our faith. So much so that when we start to practice self-care or consider what a self-care ritual in our life may look like, we can actually divorce the manner in which we care for ourselves from our nature of faith. And to me, this is what often gives self-care that bad rap that we give it, right? This is what gives self-care that understanding of, oh, it's just selfish, right? Oh, you just want to lose weight, or oh, you just want to be richer, or, or, or you just want to be mentally healthy. Like, it's all about you. However, this is why we have to talk about self-care from a theological perspective in the church, so that we ourselves can be in a healthy place physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And that's not saying one, 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 and one. That's saying all collectively together. Right? We are at our healthiest as Christians when we are caring about ourselves in all of those manners because it makes us a healthier individual going out and serving in God's kingdom. And we've seen this over, over the last number of weeks as we've explored these natures. But now that we're coming to this point, I want to remind us and I want to place within us something that we haven't talked about yet. And it, I've done it intentionally, so don't come fighting me after the worship service saying, Pastor, how could you forget this point when it comes time to talking about self-care? Well, friends, I set up this sermon series intentionally. And that is this nature in which soul care, spiritual care, has to be an important part of self-care, right? It's not just about getting ourselves together mentally. It's not just about getting ourselves together emotionally, but it is also getting ourselves and taking care of ourselves spiritually as well. It's important to remember that our faith itself is a practice of self-care, now, I'm not saying the ministry that we do. I'm not saying that when we go out and we serve in the name of the church or when we go out and we're practicing acts of, of, of testimony and witnessing, friends, that is the work that we are called to do as people of the kingdom. 
right? Those are the works that we do in God's name. When I talk about self-care, when I talk about soul care, it is those rituals and practices of faith that offer us an experience of God and God's grace that I often like to say, feed us for the journey. Right? That's what the spiritual sense of self-care is. Because if we do not do this self-care, if we are not fed for the journey, if we do not receive that spiritual nourishment, then we go into the world in the emptiness of who we think we should be. And we allow those other natures of self-care to become our soul identity. And this is where, for us as Christians who are grounded in this kingdom nature, can lose sight of why we are truly practicing these rituals. Right? It's not that these, it's not that what we, these practices that we may consider are selfish, but we also want to make sure that as we are practicing our mental, our emotional, our physical health, that we're also connecting it with our spiritual health. That we're grounding all of these things as one nature of self-care. And this is what offers us the opportunity to consider these spiritual practices as a form of self-care. And we see this language offered in the ministry of Christ. And, and really, honestly, Jesus in this, in this uh, passage of Scripture here really harkens us back to the Old Testament, harkens us back to the Hebrew Scriptures about how God not just physically nourished, but ended up spiritually nourishing the Israelites as they were in the wilderness. And now Jesus comes into play here and offers us as Christians our own language of what spiritual nourishment looks like. And to lay claim to this understanding means that we have to continue to engage in our faith as an act of self-care. So that as we continue to learn and grow in God's love, that we grow in the way that we know that we are not just worthy to care for ourselves, but that we are able to care for ourselves. Right? Just as physically, as I told the kids, we need... We need food to function, and, and, and we, need, we need food that, has, that often has very specific things in it to function, right? We need those spiritual, we need those nutrients in our food and in our water and in, and in our drinks that help us to function. So too in our faith do we need those practices, those rituals that help us to not only be grounded in our faith, but to practice our faith. And in our scripture before us today, John, the, the, the writer of this gospel, is helping us to know and understand the grace, this grace uh, that Jesus is offering. And really helps to embed this understanding of encountering God, encountering Christ, encountering the Spirit, understanding the spiritual rituals that we take place in. Things like prayer, like worship, like study, like sacraments. These are important to our self-care practice. 
And here in John 6, we get one of these I am statements of Jesus. And the cool thing about these I am statements is that the writer of the gospel of John uses these I am statements to really hammer down to the readers of this gospel to know and understand who Jesus is. Not just that Jesus was this human being that lived in this time in Jerusalem, but that Jesus was the incarnate son of God. It begins right in the beginning of John. We're going to actually go into John in our next series, but, but here we look and we see these this I am statement, Jesus connecting to the very nature of who God is, right? I am Yahweh is that Hebrew word that is the name, the holy sacred name of God. And Jesus brings this in and says, I am, and in this case says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, of course, my mind goes directly to this, that, okay, cool, I want to believe in Jesus, and I just want to always be full, physically full. No, that's not what we're talking about, friends. In this passage, one thing that Jesus is proclaiming is this idea of spiritual nourishment, And Jesus, just like many of our great Christian theologians throughout time, comes in and offers this way for us to begin to understand what that truly looks like. Right? Jesus could sit there and say, friends, I'm going to offer you spiritual nourishment. And how many of us would necessarily always be able to go along with that? Rather, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. When we place this in the context of our self-care, we consider the bread that we are partaking in as we go through life. And we ask ourselves, how are we consuming what God is offering to us? Right? What are those means of spiritual nourishment that we receive? And the cool thing is that here, especially in our, in our Methodist, in our Wesleyan theology, heritage, and doctrine, we have this understanding, these means of grace that Wesley defines as these, these outward signs, this inward spiritual grace by which we receive and know and understand God's everlasting gift to us. And when we connect, when we reconnect with that nature of spiritual nourishment, we begin to consider the role that these traditions, these practices that we have continue to feed us, to nourish us. And it calls us to bring into our mindset this ritualistic nature of doing what we do, right? It adds that deeper depth to something like worship, to something like prayer, right? So often in the church, we could be accused of of turning rituals, uh, for, for lack of a better word, turning rituals into traditions, things that often sometimes may feel empty, but we do them because we, we know that it's part of who we are called to be, right? We come to worship because that's who we're called to be as Christians. We come to worship because God calls us to praise and worship him. We, we, take, we do things like Bible study because we know that in Bible study that we uh, learn more about the Bible. We learn more about God's word. We, we learn about these things. We partake in these ministries because they have become an embedded part of our faith, but oftentimes we forget the why behind we take, why we take part in them. Oftentimes the meaning behind things may become lost. And I encourage us to reclaim 
that ritualistic understanding. Jesus connects the very nature of God to something that is meant to be nourishing and shows us that our faith is more than just trying to be a good Christian or trying to get into heaven, but our faith is a relationship that is meant to grow and flourish and blossom. We are called to look at God and God's grace as a source of nourishment. Friends, the carbs of life. The things that help to fill us for the journey. Right? And I think about this, and I think about the ways in which we practice things here at this church and the mindsets that we bring into these things. And even sometimes the ways in which we let the rituals fall by the wayside. Right? When we think about communion, we come together on a weekly basis practicing communion because we know that in communion, in this meal, not only is a reminder of the last meal that Jesus had as the disciples, that, that is like the base layer of our sacrament of communion, but we know that communion is so much more than that as a sacrament. It's not merely just a reminder, friends, but this is an opportunity for us to come and gather together and, and feast with Christ, receiving God's blessing, receiving God's grace in our lives. A ritual that we practice, that builds us, that nourishes us, that sends us forth for the journey. And in our faith, we need to be looking out for these opportunities to spiritually nourish ourselves. Right? If we believe truly and wholly what Jesus says, that Jesus, God, is the bread of life, then what must we do? We must seek out times to spiritually nourish ourselves. We don't constrict ourselves, right? We don't constrict ourselves to only receive God's grace on a Sunday morning, right? This is not the only time we receive God's grace during the week. Right? Amen? Amen. We have so many other ways that we can receive God's grace. And friends, we should be practicing them as often as possible. That means not just worshiping once a week, but finding ways to worship each and every day. That means maybe not just like five or 10 minutes of prayer, but taking time throughout our day, right? Like Paul says, pray always. Pray without ceasing. And what that means to be in a state and manner of connection and relationship with God as we go throughout our lives. It means not limiting the ways in which we can become spiritually nourished. But finding ways throughout our, our months, our weeks, our days, our hours, finding ways in every minute to seek and find spiritual nourishment. Because, friends, I can tell you, the times that I have experienced, uh, I'll call it spiritual malnutrition, I'm not a good pastor. I'm not a good Christian. Ask friends and family. I might sometimes be kind of a jerk. Sorry, God. Soul care. That is this practice of, the spirit, of these spiritual disciplines. Things like prayer, like, like worship, like reading the Bible. These are the things that ground us and become a vital part of our self-care routines, right? It feels like this is a lot, right? Self-care feels like a lot, but it, it's important. 
It can feel selfish. Right? Even if we say, I I need to excuse myself and just go pray to revitalize myself, my soul. But remember that great commandment. Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If we can't love ourselves, if we can't truly understand the love that we receive from God, then what does it all mean? We ask ourselves in a self-care sense, what in my life is spiritually feeding me? Right? And we look at those two natures of feeding, right? We have, we do, we have both communal and we have individual feeding, right? Just like we can have an individual meal, I can hole up in my office and eat about two or three peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Or we can gather together in the fellowship hall and have a communal lunch with, I don't know, maybe some fried chicken, some mac and cheese, some green bean casserole, some, I don't know what else. Like y'all cook some amazing food. Never been to a church where the food has not been good. Right? And just in the same way, we have ways in which we can be spiritually nourished, both communally and individually. Right? Communally, we have things like worship, things like Bible study, things like prayer gatherings, things where we gather together in community. And the cool thing is that most of the time, our communities evolve around those communal practices, right? We are here, y'all are sitting here because there is something about this service, there is something about this time together, there's something about this community that has gathered that has drawn you in, amen? Y'all are here for a reason because you feel that in the midst of this community, you are being spiritually fed, I hope, amen? I don't know, some of y'all sounded kind of timid there. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. And then we have our individual feeding, right? Because we can't always be in community. I know it's a deep regret, right? It's a deep regret for us extroverts. We always want to be around people. But there are those times where we have to be fed in solitude, alone. There's times where we have to look inward to be fed. Right? Times where I have to go and I have to pray and meditate where I have to spend my own time in the Bible unpacking how I see God. And in the same way, this individual nourishment plays a role as well. And it's how we engage in and balance this spiritual nourishment. We cannot forget these self-care rituals. Because if we do, we run the risk of neglecting our faith. And friends, then we can do all the other things in the world to care for ourselves. But without the reliance on faith, we are missing something. And even so, I will be bold enough as your pastor to proclaim that if we have not grounded our physical, our emotional, our mental self-care and our spiritual self-care, then I wonder how long we can truly practice it in a healthy manner. Right, right there at the beginning of this passage, Jesus tells those who are around him, right, they're talking about the miracle of the manna coming down from heaven and Moses bringing the bread. And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 guys, hold up. Hold up. Who, who brought the manna? Who brought the manna in the wilderness? Who was that again? It was God. It was God who brought the manna in the wilderness. And it was God who the Israelites relied upon as they were in the wilderness as they sought to come into that promised land. 
Right? Jesus reminds us that a healthy ritual of self-care, of self-care means a close connection to God, practicing those, those means of grace. And so what are those spiritual disciplines? What are those rituals that help to fill us up, that help to fill you up? And how are we finding ways to engage in these rituals to experience that form of spiritual nourishment that we are called to have? Amen.